This is the Dennis Miller Option. Your source of opinions, stories, and laughs from comedian and inactivist Dennis Miller and his guy Friday, Christian Blatt. What's up, Hiroshi? Let's light this candle. Ladies and gentlemen, Dennis Miller. Hey, folks. Welcome to the Dennis Miller Option. And this is good, good cat, good heart, and his wife's a, uh, a font of vivacity. <laughs> She's so funny and sweet, a Pittsburgh girl. Kind of, I kind of know her drill. Uh, musician Alan Parsons, his new album is The Secret, which you can find out more about at alanparsons.com. As I said, a, a good charitable cat man we did something together last year for the first responders up there it had a million moving parts and my man like any chief engineer can do will uh pulled it all together alan how are you my friend i'm doing absolutely great dennis thank you and uh, and your wife is equally equally if not more vivacious <laughs> <laughs> so brother tell me before we get to, i want to talk about the secret uh tell me where when you first started percolating on it what's what was the through line in your head about it how did it come out give me give me the five w's as they say in the newspaper trade of the secret <laughs> why wherefore what yes yes therefore <laughs> uh, it's um it's based on a, a passion of mine since childhood which is which is the uh the art of magic um and uh, that that explains the title of the secret because every magic trick has a has mm-hmm. and um the songs um for the most part are kind of based on on the on the art of magic you you you'll hear the words sleight of hand and misdirection in 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 the lyrics of the songs um you know i I'm, one of my favorite places in the world is the magic castle in hollywood mm-hmm. and i'm sure you've been there but uh, sure. it's a wonderful way to spend an evening watching uh, these these incredible magicians at work yeah, and a town that over the years proved itself to be completely unmagical to me. I must say that the Magic Castle maintained the brand up there because you would go in there and see guys who were really ardent about what they did. And I always loved it when you'd take a newbie in and put him in the stool down at the end of the bar that slowly went down. And oh, eventually yeah. The... <laughs> yeah, I, I remember I got stuck with that, you know, on one of my early visits, you know, so... Uh... I got wise to it. <laughs> now, when I think of, uh, and we'll talk music in a second, but I have to listen. There's no better sleight of hand guy in the history of the planet than the great Tony Slidini, uh, who used to do one trick, but man, he ran it like the Packers he used to run the power sweep. Uh, he used to crumble tissue and present them to people. Uh, I don't know. Uh, is sleight of hand more your thing, or uh, bigger, bigger gestures, bigger magic tricks? What, what was I, your? I, I think Slidini um, is the magician's magician. You know, he he was uh, incredible. Um, with you know, I mean, the, the, there are various moves that they that uh, magicians call Slidini moves. You know, which uh, which he, you know, kind of groomed uh, during his lifetime. Mm-hmm. Incredible, incredible, incredible magician. Uh, now, who who played with the Alan on the uh, the secret com- combination of uh, my own live band, uh, who who I collaborated with to to write all the songs. But we've got a few star appearances. We've got uh, Jason Mraz doing a song. Um, Lou Graham from Foreigner is doing a song. Oh, great! And. Um, Steve Hackett is playing guitar on uh, one of the, on on the opening instrumental tune. Can't beat that. It's, isn't our isn't uh, isn't Eric Burden out in Ohio? Is he still out there? I thought he might have been I, called I, in. I believe he is. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I I see uh, Eric now and again, and his 
his lovely wife, Mariana. Um, yeah. It's just so funny to me that everybody uh, gets baronial at some point in their life. Even the, even the 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 uh, <laughs> the young the young hipsters from London. Everybody ends up either in the Cotswolds or Ojai. It seems to me. The Cotswolds. <laughs> <laughs> you know they want to they want to get out of the town in essence because right. they saw too much of town. We're talking Alan Parsons. His new album is The Secret, and you can find out more about it at Alan Parsons. Dot com. Um, let's talk about the what was the end result of our uh, concert that afternoon? That people seemed to have a blast. Alan, were, were we able? Was it just merely for their enjoyment, or were we able to raise some good money for the first responders? Oh, I'm I'm certain that they raised uh, you know uh, hundreds of thousands, if not if not millions. But uh, it was uh, it was a really fun day. I think uh, I think you you will vouch for that. It was, yeah, we had an absolute but, blast, folks. Katy Perry showed up. Ellen. Everybody who has a stake in Montecito showed up. Jane Seymour was there, and, and the whole thing was honchoed by Alan. And I remember thinking, God, this has so many moving parts. Steve Vai came, and uh, he blew it out, blew it out. And I was, I was thinking it must be something akin to a control tower for an airplane guy or a soundboard or chief it, it, engineer. It's very similar. <laughs> we, we call it a show flow, and, it, you know, every time there's a change, everything you know everything uh, moves with 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 the change and of course Katy Perry didn't let us know that she was going to appear until about 2 hours before the <laughs> right was going to go up so uh, it was all a bit of uh, panic stations but yeah. we made it work yeah it came off a lovely and Alan's band burned it down too man you guys rocked that day oh thank you and uh, you uh, you did very well to uh, to fill in the gaps <laughs> <laughs> i think i sang paranoid by our war pigs christian to 200 people, first responders. Wow. Many of them quit the business after I sang you know, they Pigs. Talk about generals gathered in their masses. You know? <laughs> We're talking to Alan Parsons. Now, Alan, I have to ask you, I'm so enamored of the fact that Paul must have dug your chops. I know you work uh, as an assistant engineer with George, I assume, on the last two Beatles albums, which I think are Abbey Road and Let It Be. Maybe I'm wrong there, but maybe I have the... No, you're right. You're right. And I love that Paul comes back and asks you to do the first two wings thing. So you you must have got on. What do you remember the uh, the, the your journey with the Fab Four there? Well, uh, you know, the the actual work with the Beatles was uh, was literally just uh, almost being a fly on the wall. I was just a, a, an assistant engineer in training, um, so I I can't claim to have any creative input to anything by the Beatles. But uh, I did go on to work with Paul on. Uh, Wings Wildlife and uh, Red Rose Speedway, and they, they, those albums have just been re-released in a box set. Oh, so, uh, oh, to be a fly on the wall of sound, as they say <laughs> in the music business. Um, also worked with uh, Floyd on the Dark Side of the Moon. I don't know when you're in there day to day. I guess moving it like trench warfare. Maybe you sense you're onto something really good, but I don't know that you know at the moment it's going to be until the Eagles' greatest hits knocks it off, the biggest selling album of all time. What are your memories of that session? How were they to work with? Is the Eagles' greatest hits seriously on top of the dark side of the moon? I think uh, it eventually took over. I thought I heard oh, that, no. the, the Eagles' greatest hits. But uh, one of their uh, greatest hits is uh, a cover of Take the Controls and Steer for the Center of the Sun. Which is an old Floyd hit. No, right. I'm kidding. Set the controls for the heart of the sun. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, I, of course, uh, not only did I record the album, I also did their live sound, um, and uh, that set the controls for the heart of the sun was an occasional 
Oh, they did pull that chestnut out. And um, one of these days, that's another one that they, uh, they used to, they usually, usually used to end with that as the, as the encore. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the one with the big scream in it. Yes. Um, well, uh, uh, at, at which time uh, several uh, garbage bins full of explosives went off and <laughs> lit, lit the place up. It was quite a moment. No, uh, no Dark Side, very important, to, obviously, to my career, and uh, no one would have really predicted that nearly 50 years after we would still be talking about it. Uh, it was an extraordinary, extraordinary period. Is it, is it apocryphal, or as much of it in, inspired, or not inspired, but as much of it uh, some sort of homage to Sid Barrett? So you're asking if it was an influence to me? Or? No, no, I'm saying uh, when, when I always hear apocryphal tales, and they say that much of the inspiration for Dark Side of the Moon plummet of the protagonist is Sid Barrett. Is that true, or is that an oh, oh, is um, that an, oh? You, you would You would have to ask Roger Waters about that. Yeah, <laughs> so, okay. But I, I, I think, um, yes, it's been suggested many times that, uh, that uh, Sid Barrett was uh, at, the, at the heart of the composition for the album, yes. Now, when you come off chief engineering all this, and obviously I remember uh, proudly buying the Alan Parson Project album that has the, uh, I, what is it like? Uh, it looks like stairwells or something and uh, w- window glass. I can't remember the exact name of the album, but I, I proudly played it a lot. How did you make the leap from being a chief engineer to fronting your own band? It was um, kind of automatic. Um I'd, I'd uh, grown up through the ranks of being an, an assistant engineer, then being an engineer. Then I got into production. I had a couple of successes with uh, some British acts, uh, notably Pilot, uh, Steve Harley and Cockney Rebel. Alf Stewart was another mm-hmm. uh, big feather in my cap. But um, it really wasn't uh, you know, a, a day that I said, all right, I'm going to become an artist now. It, it just became... Um, an extension of my production career and, and meeting with my late ex-partner in crime, Eric Wilson, who, um, who was the other half of the Alan Parsons Project. And the song, so we just right. got together and wrote some songs and, and off we went, booked, booked session musicians and uh, made an album. And it was only uh, at the, you know, a, a few weeks before the, uh, the album went to manufacture that I knew it was going to be identified as the Alan Parsons Project. I, I had no idea until that moment. Mm-hmm. I met Clive once at his pre-Grammy party, and he was in a different guise at that point. He was welcoming, and he was sort of the host of the evening. What did he bring? What were his strengths to, to Clive Davis? When when you met him, did you find him an inspiration? Was he strictly a businessman? Did he have a keen ear? Because it all, the string of hit albums, iRobot, Pyramid, Turn of the Friendly Card, it all sort of starts after you meet with Clive, right? It was um, it, it was ex- an extremely uh, great honour to be uh, to be asked to, to meet with him uh, back in London in the late seventies after we'd only put out the first album, Tell the Mystery and Imagination. Uh, the first album with Clive was was called I Robot, but he he's uh, he's remarkable. He just has this this magic set of ears. He knows a hit when he hears it, and. Um, I think, uh, you know, it goes for not only uh, all the artists uh, on the Arista label, he's, he's just got a long history of always, always picking a hit. I mean, you name it, uh, Whitney, Whitney Houston, Barry Manilow, whoever it is, you know, he just, he just had this magic yeah. set of ears. Yeah, he, got, uh, he had a good divining rod where the, uh, where the next big 
It was. You know what I love now, Alan, and this must be such a great tool for young people. They can do their core art, and then there are so many different platforms that they can then, uh, I don't know, elaborate on it. They can annotate it. I know, for instance, I think uh, you're, you have a YouTube series now discussing the making of the tracks on uh, the new album, correct? Yes, we've uh, got a little mini mini making of for, for every song on the album. Um, and there are two full-length videos, uh, one for a song called uh, I Can't Get There From Here, um, which is uh, a, a song written by the guy who directed the video, interestingly. And the other one is called As Lights Fall, and uh, that's one of the songs that, uh, that yours truly is singing on. Mm-hmm. Uh, a first-time... A first uh, lead vocal on, a, on an album under my name. Wow, look at, you're the new Mel Torme. You know, <laughs> I tell many people that up here locally. Now, listen, by the way, I'm, I'm a little, I was a little hurt when you didn't call me in for my requisite triangle solo. <laughs> I, I thought you might have had me come in and ting a little. No, the, more... part was, the part was for finger symbols. I'm sorry, not for triangle. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking Alan Parsons. Listen, in closing, I want you to talk to the audience about this. Well, it seems like a massive undertaking. You took uh, 2010 help of fellow Brit Julian Kolbeck, uh, you guys wrote and produced a comprehensive instructional video series about recording called The Art and Science of Sound Recording. Were you pleased with the product? And tell us more about who else participated. I think it was narr- narrated by Billy Bob Thornton, you told me once. Yeah, that's right. Um, Billy Bob Thornton narrated it. Uh, we, we thought that it would take about six months to, to make this video series, but it actually ended up taking three years. <laughs> and uh, well, you got to get it right. It's serious yeah. business. But uh, you know, we got lots of uh, lots of cooperation from uh, other producers, engineers. Uh, you know, a, a couple of uh, a couple of you know names in the business. Erica Badu was one of them. Um, but it it really was designed to be an entertaining look at the mysterious art of sound recording. Mm-hmm. Very few people really uh, really have a a, a, a proper vision of what actually goes on in a, in a studio when a record is being made. We tried to lift the veil on that in an entertaining way, hopefully. Yeah, well, listen, it was uh, super well-received. Uh, we've been talking to Alan Parsons, and in closing, I asked this at the risk of heartbreak, but maybe you were a fly on the wall as the assistant engineer in the last two albums. Is there any truth to what I hear that if they really liked a particular take, someone in the Fab Four would scream, market fab? because <laughs> i always love that story that if they like to take if you have a contact sheet of your headshots you always put a red check on the one you liked and if they liked a particular take somebody would say market fab sounds, do you think there's any like, truth it sounds like pool to me yeah <laughs> thank you for not ruining my uh, <laughs> my illusion and thanks we, for... we, we, we would mark the tape boxes that the, the the best take would be marked best literally just BEST against this, against whichever take was wow. to be the best. Well, what a as they say, you say you're a bit of a fly on the wall, but what a cool, cool freaking wall to be in on. And a good man. I'm telling you, this cat is a. I, I live in the same community as him, and when needed, he answers the call all the time. Thank you for your time, brother. I, nice to talk to you. Say hi to the bride. I will indeed. Thanks, Dennis. All and right. Talk at you down the road. Alan Parsons. His new album is The Secret. Did not know he was into uh, magic. Yeah, Although I didn't I, th- I should have thought the last time I had dinner with him, he saw it our waiter in half. <laughs> <laughs> and we split the bill. We each... 
Lindsay's she falling, out of, her, she's falling out of her chair. <laughs> she's embarrassed. She's like turning down her mic. She's laughing so hard. That is, uh, I just thought of that, and there's not much there, but you never know when somebody's going to sucker punch somebody, aren't yeah. they? Uh, I think it's terrible that they would uh, mark the good tracks best because uh, that must be very upsetting for Pete. Oh, beautiful brother. Get over here. I'll give you some Indian head rub. Oh, anytime. You can, because you know, at that point, Pete was about to jump off the set cliff. <laughs> do I have any uh, promos to read? Or what we do. We have, uh, what do we have? Oh, it's, it, click it or ticket. We got another click it or ticket from our friends at NHTSA. NHTSA, uh, NHTSA get over here. NHTSA. I've got news that'll move you and shake you. <laughs> I own 51% of Lonesome Road Enterprises. You're in bed with me, Larry. In bed with me. And who's the third member? Nitze. Here to make sure everything's safe. I'm not going very far. I'm in a rush. It's too uncomfortable. Sometimes I just forget it. I was beaten out for the Olympic team by a seatbelt. Everybody's got an excuse for not buckling up. If you've used any of the excuses or any others, you're putting yourself at risk of injury or death. Don't get this stat. Get beyond the, uh, the ad the ad nature of this and let this stat sink in. In 2017, more than 10,000 people were unbuckled when they were killed in crashes. It's like hard to imagine because you think it would just be uh, matter of fact, you sit in a car now, you buckle, but 10,000 people, life's end because they didn't buckle up. That's 51% of the people killed in motor vehicle crashes were not wearing seatbelts. No matter what kind of vehicle you drive, wearing your seatbelt is the best defense in a crash. Even when you sit in the back seat, you still need to buckle up. That goes for when you ride in taxis, when you use ride-sharing services, Uber, Lyft. Uh, like I said, there's a new one in small town America. Could we get a ride in a pickup truck for Uber? Cops are on the lookout and writing tickets, so I take the risk. In 2017 alone, seatbelts saved nearly 15,000 lives. So do the smart thing. Buckle up every trip, day or night. Click it or ticket, and this is paid for by our friends at NHTSA. And uh, I think they ought to have some sort of, Christian, can we get a cross-promotional thing where when they were, they're wearing earbuds, they click their seatbelt, and the podcast comes on, our podcast. I love that. Um, so our podcast begins to represent extended life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And extended life is another one of our advertisers. Would we then find an increase in people who then unbuckle their uh, seatbelt so they don't have to hear the show? <laughs> or better that than unbuckle their earbuds. <laughs> now, um, listen, uh, by the way, my son and I play this game now. On We've been playing it the last week or so. I remember, I used to, our chief game used to be uh, White Man Cuddle. <laughs> well, I would go into that for two days and he would just scream, Stop that. Put my ear down on the ground. Iron Horse come Whitman, and uh, do my Indian guy. He hated that. So we're playing a new game now, uh, Shark Tank, where we make Shark Tank pitches to each other on <laughs> texting. And uh, like in the middle of the day, I hear boop, you know the sound that I looked at. It says, "Hi sharks, I'm looking for eighty-five thousand dollars for a fifteen percent stake in my new business, Astro Pup, traveling interterrestrially and long for a hot dog." Let me introduce Astro Puff. That's what he just said. Oh, Astro Puff. Astro Puff. 
I kind of <sighs> like that because I think that has a branding thing because that was the Jetsons. Uh, oh, yeah. That was their dog, wasn't it, that he used to walk on a treadmill? Yeah. And he was delicious, so I think it would actually translate very well. And Rosie, the robot maid? Mm-hmm. Illegal. I mean. Came here illegally. You know. She didn't cross the future border, which uh, <laughs> runs right through Duluth. Um, what else are we going to do this hour? Christian? Well, we uh, we can talk we about we can talk about the news. We need to do twenty four minutes, and I'll let you know at twenty three fifty nine so that you can. Uh, road was road I clock. too uh, nerve wracked with Alan? No, I thought it was a you had an interesting I conversation. Don't do as well with friends, man. Well, that's why you and I do so well on the radio. <laughs> like exactly, like <laughs> kid and play. <laughs> I'm clearly kid. Because <laughs> I haven't had the uh, the fade had the the fade uh, fade top or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, that yeah, was, that, was like that a was kid. pencil eraser or something. Yeah, yeah it's the Bill Maher used to hang with him. I'd see Bill when I do politically correct. He was, but he he had clipped the uh, deal at that point. Yeah, I think we had him on the uh, CNBC show on the on the panel. The hey, varsity. what do you make of Peel taking over Twilight Zone? Have you seen any? Yeah, I've seen all of them. And uh, sorry, I put my mic on my chest for a second while I scratched the back of my arm, and I realized that all my sound was getting trapped in my crazy thicket of chest hair. Okay, so oh, wait, is Lindsay, she okay? Yeah, she threw up. Is yeah. she okay? No, she's not. Nope. Heimlich, you know, the, the kids don't have chest but hair. But watch, anymore. don't make it too cordial. I don't want to no. end up in court with the Heimlich. Come on, I'll use I'll use That's Rosie the robot like, to uh, have any interpersonal. You have to wear content. oven mitts when you Heimlich somebody. <laughs> huh? You don't want to end up in grope court. <laughs> um. So. Uh, the Jordan Peele Twilight Zone. Yeah. How is he? I haven't seen it yet. Are uh, they recreating old ones? The, the only stuff? one they recreated was uh, Nightmare at 20,000 Feet, but it, it it's not even that So what did they move? Station. It to a sop with camel that the plane's only flying at 20,000 feet? No, now it's going 30,000. So, uh, it, well, I'm saying you just said Nightmare at 20,000. I'm thinking, what, what are they on? Surf Air? Or, uh, well, that's what the original episode was called. This is Nightmare at 30,000 Feet. So oh, they okay. could go 10 high. The original was 20,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the oh, moment, the moment, the shat. Christ, no wonder it was raining. Get up above the clouds. <laughs> no, not in those days. Huh? Uh, really? I think most of the episodes are good. It's uh, a little bit, a little bit more woke than I think it needs to be at times. But uh, in they, woke in re- what regard? Just some of the issues they deal with. Uh, there's, there was one that was a little Christ, Me Too centric. Big. There was a, a race one that, uh, you know, weren't necessarily the strongest episodes, but I would never go on record saying I didn't like because, you know, I, I understand the way, which way the wind's blowing. Boy, that woke thing came in quickly, didn't it? Yeah. When, when do you first... I remember political correctness when it first sure. came in because Bill did politically incorrect. So that's been a while now. That's probably that was like 25 or 30 years, ago, years. Yeah. All right. So that's when we get the first wisp of that. And I remember everybody sort of laughing at it like it was a new hula hoop trend. Right. People didn't take And now, look, Christ, it's camped out outside our door every waking moment. When did it uh, when did things get even the I guess the amplified version of uh, politically correct would be woke right? Yeah. where you feel justified in being overly uh, particular about it. Uh, I, I, I think we, I think the next great human evolution will be to ignore each other again. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, anybody remember when we just didn't pay attention to each other? I, I guess social media and everybody's famous for 15 seconds now. 
And, uh, you know, I guess everybody, if you're going to play that game, and we're all so curious that even people who, like me, feel embarrassed that I do it once in a while, but then I think i got to sell tickets. It's, I would be a silly goose not to use the new technology, but I have to admit that's not only it. I think that lets me off a little pristine. I guess I have an ogle the train wreck on the side of the road thing, or the car wreck on the side of the road. And uh, I go on like anybody else. I try to stay away from the comments, but I can't even it, it say that I'm completely, I'm probably up to around 95%. But once in a while, I'll put up a good joke and I think, oh, I should see what, what uh, people say about that. Maybe the joke's good for the act. And immediately say, I hope you get fucking cancer of the brain, you jag off. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it, but I still go and look at it once in a while. So I, I, I think that the... Uh, I think that the next big thing will be when somebody will invent an app that allows you to tune the world out. <laughs> I don't quite, I don't quite know how that'll. Maybe it's like a Cleopatra thing, an ASP app or something, where you hold the screen up to your carotid <laughs> artery and zap yourself. But there's got to be some behavior mod thing where you can zap yourself when you go to check what everything's uh what, whatever's happening on social media and you can pavlov dog your way or skinner skinner box or you know hook something up from your phone to your genitals and zap yourself out of using it again because we were all better off when we didn't know about each other quite frankly uh earlier you were talking i'm sorry i dumped that in your lap that's all right i was boy that was ugly that's oh, hey so is my uh, lap <laughs> At least it's out then. <laughs> uh, earlier you were talking about Shark Tank, and while you were speaking with Alan, he was being uh, interviewed, uh, Mark Cuban was, uh, by uh, Liz Clayman. And she said, are you going to run for president? And he said, stay tuned. So uh, I wanted to know what you thought of uh, that non-announcement. Oh, Mark's a bright guy. He's gotten a little... I'm not enjoying as as much on the tank because he does too many preemptive... Uh, you know, part of the tank is... a. Uh, the subtle dance of everybody playing their character and he does too many where it gets a little too real where he comes in and says i'll make you this uh but i don't want any of these guys to talk anymore i'm thinking isn't that the show I thought so, so uh he's not where you know maybe if he wants to run for president uh listen trump's president i certainly think mark cuban could run for uh president and acquit himself well but uh i don't know i kind of like the job trump's doing i know would Cuban be willing to step in? Listen, here's the thing about Trump. You can hate him and say he's a cheese ball and all that. And I hear people talking about what weak and sipid man is. Have you ever seen a politician in your life who's willing to take this hit with China to get it right? I don't I, don't, I mean, think about yeah. it. He was front running, man. Yeah. It was just a week ago that uh, things were going great guns. Everybody's talking about the economy so good. He's, it could be a blowout in 2020. Um, I just find it. A, I find it interesting and uh, indeed i find it uh rewarding to watch a guy who chooses that moment who said that we had to get our trade right with china who steps in i don't know where it's at when i went on the air i was looking i think it was uh, you know i'm taping this on a monday it's like down 600 it was down the other day too and uh i don't know i'm, I'm kind of enamored of a guy who will step in and say, I've got to get this right, and I said I would do it, and I'm going to do it, and the stock market be damned. Is, uh, isn't that part of Trump? Uh, is uh, Well, they think of him as completely ignoble, but I, I find that part of him to be pretty ethical, pretty principled. And I'm not talking about his marriage, blah, 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 blah. the myriad things that people hate about Donald Trump. I'm talking about job description. 
effective job. And I think we do have to get this right with China. And I like a guy who's willing to squander some of his lead right now to try to get it right. So good for him. Yeah, but if we're not really in the getting things right business, are we? I don't think that's what uh, people. No, are I was for. watching a stock market channel this morning. They were kind of jumping on them, and then finally, I think, and if if so, I'd have to go back and check this. But I think I read a either the top, the lead in a story or a headline where Schumer's on board with China. Is that possible? Wow, uh, Chuck I... Schumer said, "I'm with the president on this. That we have to get this right." And if so, that's the first time I've admired uh, Chuck Schumer in, in many a year because I find him to be reflexively anti whatever the Republicans are selling. Even if it's the same thing he was selling somewhere in the last six to eight years. But uh, I, I do think that some people get it that we can't go in with the IP theft and the, uh, you know, China not uh, pulling their oar in these trade deals and uh I don't know. I'm just uh, like I said, I haven't seen a president like that who's willing to do that. Maybe Harry Truman. You know, I, I've read about him. Uh, that's a big ballsy move. Uh, but I'd like to see uh, somebody else. Maybe a caller can refresh me and we'll read it next week when we get our calls. But I'd like to see if somebody had taken a stand like this that was going to cost his percentage of the vote. The guy had just eked up to 51 percent approval rating last week in the Rasmussen. And I think he was up to 46 in Gallup, which was two points ahead of Obama. And if you think the Gallup, the Gallup poll, uh, not ironically, Gallup's towards the liberal side. So they got there in a hurry. So for them to concede that uh, there was a two-point uh, lead for Trump over Obama at the same time in his presidency showed me he was doing well. For him to jump in right after that and say, I'm putting more, they, they fucked the deal up, I'm putting more tariffs on, and to risk, indeed, what happened today, Xi coming in and saying they're going to start putting tariffs on our thing, I'd say we move from trade border war to trade f- f- full-out war. And uh, that's going to cost Trump in the short term. And I think China, quite frankly, I heard Rush Limbaugh say something today that I thought was really pressing. He was talking about, do you think China knows that half this country and now indeed uh, Republican senators are subpoenaed uh, or maybe it's a congressman or a senator, but a Republican has subpoenaed Donald Trump Jr. So indeed, it's probably more people than just the one half of the aisle wish Trump was impeached tomorrow. And I kind of think that, uh, you know, Xi Jinping, or is that his name, uh, the head guy over there, looks at it and thinks, wow, they're going to try to do him in like Caesar in the the sauna. And uh, maybe I should, uh, Limbaugh's feeling was that he thought, I'll hang in there for a while. I don't even know if this guy's going to be there in two years. And it sounds like whoever's going to be there is willing to rescind all this stuff and just go back to the shit trade deal America had in the first place. So I, I don't know if it maybe emboldens the wrong word, but certainly it's a chip in the uh, Chinese guy's uh, stack where he looks and goes, well, he's not even in good shape at home. So I think I'll bluff this out for another two years and see what happens. So um, I'm enamored of Trump for taking that stand. And uh, that is not to say eh, I'm not even going to do that qualifier anytime. Obviously, everybody has their own thoughts on him. There's some stuff that doesn't work for me, there's a lot that does, and I admire his balls as far as taking this stand. 
What else is up in the world, Christian? Or what do we have well, from our voicemails yeah, or our emails? Two or things. Our... First, you're absolutely correct. Uh, it is a, a GOP senator, Richard Burr, who uh, subpoenaed Don Jr. And uh, also, you're right about Chuck Schumer. He uh, indeed said, hey, hang tough on China. And we actually have a voicemail about Chuck Schumer. Christ, from... do you realize how much I'm uh, absorbing just barely paying attention? Just, just imagine. Like, not... I, I'm reading cliff notes of headlines <laughs> at this point. Just imagine if, if, if you <laughs> if gave I a had actually read an article about anything. <laughs> but you know what? Again, we live in a headline world, so it's and fine. We have, an e- we have a, a voicemail from somebody yeah. about Schumer? About Schumer. This is uh, James from New Jersey, voicemail number eight. Just want to thank you for your pod. Uh, definitely gets <laughs> me through the work week. First found you, Miller Time on The Factor. Used to watch it with my grandpa. Always look forward to it. Uh, but I definitely did miss you while uh, you were on your hiatus back in January. It did lead me to find Dennis Miller live on HBO. And I just think it's incredible how Hillary and Chuck Schumer are still relevant today. I believe the show I watched where you had put the pictures up in black and white on the TV was from the mid-90s. How's that for a career politician? i uh, got two words for you, Chuck. Term limits. Just want to thank you, Dennis. Have a good one. So uh, that was an inflection dilemma there. What's that? Which part of that? I got two words for you, Chuck, but he has to get the Chuck way close to the you. Yeah. Because he put a mini pause in there that I've got two words for you, Chuck term limits, which now becomes a three word payoff. That's true. And a two word joke. So remember that kids, you've got to put the jeweler's loop on and go over these jokes. Uh, It's got to be, I've got two words for you, Chuck. It's got (laughs) a tag right on there. Term limits. You can't say, I've got two words. I've got two words for you. Chuck term limits. <laughs> you see what I mean? I do. And it's I, like I, the I perfect storm. Let me oh. hear that. Let me hear the end of that again. I, or I, I don't want to hear the whole thing. Is there a way to cue it up or do we have to Can we go back to the, to the end of number oh, eight? Oh, fuck I, that. I, what am I doing? She can do it. Jesus Christ. It's like I'm all of a sudden I'm, uh, you know, asking things that I know would take uh, a long time and I'm not... Crapping on Lindsay, she's, you know what I think yeah. the world of Lindsay, but I'm just saying to go back for that piece of shit will sh- show well, you I'm trying to fill she's, time. She's ready to do it. Huh? We've got 11 minutes Th- left. That's so. like uh, me asking, uh, that's me as Bobby Barancini asking the lead baboon to fall if I shoot him like Clint Eastwood in the movie. <laughs> the well, great Bobby Barancini. I've uh, got two words for you, Chuck. Term limits. Yeah, he was Dennis. right. Have I was wrong. One. No, I think he needed to say term limits and he needed to pause. You're right. Uh, there was something wrong there, but not as egregious as I pointed out. I was trying to act like, uh, you know, Borscht Belt Yoda there. <laughs> but I'm, hey, listen, I'm as full of shit as anybody. No. I just I got to concede it. And uh, anyway. That reminds me, you know, you're talking about uh, hey, Borscht there's Belt. a new Shark Tank available. A new tank? I ordered a season tank on... Uh, can you believe how TV works? Oh, by the way, I started watching something last night. I might have a new show that I'm wooing or is wooing me. Have you seen something called Broadchurch? Oh, yes, I have seen that. Yeah. Wow. I've watched four of the first eight. I have no idea. And I'm actually enamored of the woman who I did not really like in The Favorite. I know she won the Oscar. Yeah. And I had seen her in something called The Night Manager, and I wasn't enamored of her in there. But my wife said, I didn't watch the Oscars, but she said she gave a brilliant Oscars speech. And yeah. my wife's endeared to her now. So she said, let's watch her earliest pro- or earlier project called uh, Broadchurch. And she's great in it. And the guy's pretty good, too. And uh, 
So I'm all in, and I think there are three seasons of eight. I don't quite know if it plays out that the same storyline maintains for all 24 or if it's broken down into three separate seasons where one case for each season like True Detective. But anyway, I'm four into the eight on the first one, and I really dig it, and I need my Game of Thrones. But like I said, I I don't need to watch anything where I'm confusing, uh, you know, reptiles, uh, dragons' necks with erections. That's just not, I can't be right for somebody else if I'm not right for me. What else is up? Uh, Well, I wanted to get another uh, voicemail in. This one from uh, Aaron from Wyoming, voicemail number one. Uh, I just wanted to call and tell you you are accompanying me on a hike on a side of a very large mountain up here in northwestern Wyoming today. (laughs) Uh, Got out on the top of the hill and uh, had a little bit of service. I thought I'd call and give you a jingle and... Say, keep up the good work. I enjoy your perspectives on uh, classic film, politics, and the like. Uh, my late father uh, was a fan of yours, and uh, I am as well. So keep up the good work, and I appreciate the podcast, and uh, thanks again. Um, so nice, that, because do you, do you know what it's like when a man's standing on the peak of a mountain looking out, and he feels that he should honor your perspective? I mean, right there in front of him is the perspective. Yeah. And uh, is it perspective or perspective? Perspective. And uh, yet he felt the need to uh, uh, call me. Now, when I go on my hikes, I must hike in the wrong areas because I never have cell coverage. Do you? Do I hike? No. <laughs> oh, so the, the, the whole thing shut down no, before that. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. I, I hadn't even when, gotten to the... When I'm, I was thinking of putting um, little caps um, that are Wi-Fi boosters on Kodiak bears. Now listen, <laughs> I know I'm looking for a side hustle here, and I might be looking too hard. But the thought of Wi-Fi booster caps on Kodiak bears. Sharks. I'm looking for a little seed money. <laughs> do you do you think when you finance a porn film, Christian, that they 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 laugh when they ask you if you're willing to kick some seed money? <laughs> I, I think that they mean it in the most literal sense possible. I think that it's the only way to uh, finance that industry. Hi, sharks. I'm seeking seed money on my new porn film. <laughs> the terrible Leany Riefenstahl, Mr. Wonderful. Why isn't there a uh, porn shark tank? Can, can you host that? Oh, I, I sure could, but uh, there wouldn't be a fin cutting through the water. <laughs> Bono, bono, and then it breaks out into a Stanley Clark stand-up basil. Bono, boom, boom, chicka, chicka, boom, 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 chicka, chicka, chicka. That's my porn music. What else we got? Uh, speaking of uh, shows that you uh, got too late, I wanted to uh, give you this quote from uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She said mm-hmm. that the GOP is basically Dwight from The Office, as she insisted her claims about global warming ending the world in 12 years was, quote, dry humor. So she's the funny one. No one else is funny. Well, literally, I think of her as Steve Carell. So this one might be accurate. <laughs> when, when I look at The Office, the, the guy I don't have as much problem as much of the country seems to is with Dwight. That's, is that the kid with the bad haircut? Yes, yes. Well, he, not only does he make me laugh, I, 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 I kind of like his stance on certain things. He's not as cool as John uh, 
Krasinski. Right. He's the the ID fix in the in the scenario. But certainly, I would take Dwight over uh, Steve Carell, who I think AOC is. Right. As a matter of fact, I think that's what the C in AOC stands for. <laughs> Alexandria Ocasio Carell. Not mistaken. <laughs> oh, I was in that town. In Scranton. I went and performed. Yeah. Was that with uh, with Stein? With Mark Stein and yeah. I. Yeah. I thought, well, how do I know this town? And then I remembered it from the uh, opening credits. I wonder if they ever, well, they must have went there to shoot some of the exteriors. But uh, I actually performed in that town. It was a very hip crowd. So I don't know that Scranton, they sort of painted as uh, the last step be- before the abyss. But it was actually <laughs> kind of a cool town. <laughs> Uh, a headline that I read that uh, instantly made me think of you. Uh, a chef was stopped at a Los Angeles airport with 40 frozen piranhas. Hmm. What? What is the... Uh, I've heard tell of a sort of a fight club sushi place down in L.A. where the palate cleanser halfway through the meal is an unfrozen piranha that feeds on you. <laughs> halfway through it's it's like sorbet where you're eating all these fish and then you know in the world we live kids are so uptight about everything they begin to feel that they're killing the breeds or whatever and all that (laughs) shit so just as a compensatory gesture and and keep in mind that the seventh dish in this 12 course thing so this is halfway through is a ahi tartare you take the fish out, you put it up to your lips, it bites you, you bleed a little, and it's sort of gravy for the uh, ahi tartar. Um, I was wondering, though, if you know this chef, uh, not personally, his name is uh, Virilio Martinez. He's from the Netflix show Chef's Table, which I remember you talking about last week, so that's why it's uh, a I had to quit watching oh, Chef's okay. Table. It got too woke. Oh, well, they, Honestly, <laughs> so God, like they the weren't Twilight even cooking anymore. They, they've got a secondary show now called Street Food, where they at least show food once in a while. But I was turning into uh, Chef's Table in season four. It turned into Sylvia Plath's Dream Journal or something. It was all, I remember there was an episode somewhere in season two where a woman went to her mother's gravesite. It was all about her work and she couldn't find it. Oh. And I couldn't believe they kept the camera going. Now, once you go, once you take a camera crew to a cemetery to visit your mom's grave who inspired you to cook and you can't find the headstone, is that the... Uh, well, the show that I is make... Is that not... Uh, you got to break a few eggs yeah. to make it all... <laughs> no, the show I make is only people not being able to find things that they pretend are important to them. I, I, I'm fascinated by that. I want to see this now. <laughs> she can't find it. Yeah, well, look for an episode. It's, it's in one <laughs> or two, and it's some woman who is a strong woman, just with a, a bad memory. And uh, what would you put on your headstone in closing here, Christian? I was having this talk with Jimmy Connors the other day, and I told him I'd put... Uh, I'd, I'd go... From dust to dust, from Pittsburgh to Pittsburghese, I would put on my headstone, hey, what the fuck are you looking at? <laughs> so when they look at your headstone, you, you do a little Pittsburgh turn on your way out the door. I guess you'd do some sort of Yoda or uh, Death Not Be, some sort of, what was the character who spoke all screwed up that everybody hated? And Oh, yeah. oh yeah, I would definitely take something from Jar Jar Binks. Jar Jar Binks. Uh, what do yeah. you want to bet that Jar Jar Binks is like in HR now somewhere? <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, I think possibly Moonlights with some kind of customer service or something. But yeah, absolutely. Now must you watch? Or that's Yoda. <laughs> that is Now Yoda. must you He's, watch the harassment so, video. So Jar Jar Binks is the, me some people gonna die. That's him. <laughs> so you got to always remember, that's the Jar Jar. Can you imagine if they redid, uh, I, I think it's Star Wars 2, I don't know, the canon like you do. 
but uh, where Carrie Fisher is laying in the harem outfit on Jabba the Hutt's, she couldn't do that. You couldn't do that now, could no. you? No, no, no. Wouldn't she have to be dressed in a Hurt Locker suit and he'd have yeah. to be, you know, watching a harassment video or something? You, well, you, you, she'd be in corporate and, uh, you know, they'd still have to rescue her, but uh, mm-hmm. they would also have to make sure that she was able to take her 401k onto the next movie. Right, and uh, if if uh, the little robot came and projected the hologram, and have to, um, she could sue him for. Uh, well, not filming her good side for sure. Yeah. Me too. D two. Hashtag <laughs> me too. D two. <laughs> All right. Um, I got to call Larry O in Washington. Do a phone interview. We good? We are. Say hi to Larry O, please. All right. Talking to the great Larry O'Connor. I thank you for joining me on this. Well, the long mosey. We call the Dennis Miller. <laughs> Giddy up, little podsters. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Dennis Miller Option, exclusively on Westwood One. Tune in to new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday on the Westwood One app, westwoodone.com, and on Apple Podcasts. And remember to rate, review, and share. Until next time, that's the show, and we are out of here. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.